biggest bank collapse since the 2008 financial crisis, and it shut down today. It's called Silicon Valley Bank, and it is one of the tech industry's largest lenders. In the banking also lends world, the FDIC just reported that California regulators shut down Silicon Valley Bank, a big lender out in California, after reporting a loss of over $1 billion. There were fears the ripple effects from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank on Friday are being felt across the world. The U.S. government's now said it will ensure all SVB account holders will be able to retrieve any funds they have when they start their day today. Yes, that's the flavour of today's MLEX podcast, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. What does it mean for the banking industry in the US? What are the regulatory measures likely to follow? And how is this reverberating in the City of London? We're going to cover all of those issues today with the assistance of our team of reporters around the world. I'm your host, James Paniki, coming to you from the LexisNexis offices in Melbourne, Australia. And the story has been bubbling away for a week now, so you'll be familiar with the basics. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, is the second largest bank failure in US history. The bank had invested in long-term treasury bonds. The value of those bonds decreased as interest rates started to rise. The bank sold the bonds at a loss and a bank run followed. A very similar story over on the East Coast with Signature Bank, which was unable to protect its assets and its investors, including many crypto firms, stood to lose big money. What followed was in some ways unsurprising. The Biden administration intervened, although it was very careful to emphasise that it wasn't a bailout. And of course, some libertarian tech bros discovered their inner socialist overnight. So far, so predictable. But what does it all mean? We'll be crossing to London in just a few moments to get the latest from our financial services team there to understand how the local unit of the bank was dealt with. But first, to where it all started. Neil Rowland is a senior MLEX correspondent covering financial services. He's based in our DC office, but joins us today from Florida, from the press room of a derivatives conference, such as the life of an MLEX reporter. Uh, Neil, walk us through everything here. What happened with SVB in California and Signature Bank in New York? Well, James, these were niche banks that had a run on their deposits, meaning that depositors stampeded to withdraw their cash. Silicon Valley's depositors were mostly tech startups controlled by venture capitalists, while signatures were crypto firms. There was a herd effect. All right, and why did this stampede occur? Why was there this herd effect, as you've described it? Well, focusing on Silicon Valley Bank, depositors learned that the bank wanted to sell stock to raise money. The bank had used deposits to invest in long-term treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. These investments seemed safe at first, but they cratered as the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to combat inflation. Remember, James, interest rates vary inversely with bond prices, so the bank was experiencing massive, unrealized losses and it didn't adequately hedge against this interest rate risk. Now, struggling banks are always uh, a cause for political concern. It always happens in a political context, which leads to the next question. What did the federal government do at that point? Well, two agencies stepped in. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said it would insure accounts not just up to $250,000, as it usually does, but all accounts at the two banks. 
That's because most of the deposits were for over $250,000, and the FDIC wanted to avoid any possible threat to U.S. financial stability. Meanwhile, the Fed created an emergency facility to lend to any bank experiencing liquidity problems. Okay, so what is the government going to do next? What options does it have? Well, the Fed's top regulator, Mark Michael Barr, will be leading a review of what might have gone wrong in the Fed's supervision of Silicon Valley Bank and in its rules that apply to the bank. The results of that review are to be publicly released May 1st. And what, Neil, is the outlook? Where do things go from here? Well, it's not clear why the Fed didn't see the red flags at these banks earlier. Look for it to immediately tighten up on its bank examinations. Also look for Barr to recommend to the other Fed governors that they consider more restrictive rules for the 17 mid-sized banks such as Silicon Valley and Signature. A number of these rules had been weakened during the Trump administration. But the main U.S. banking group is already mobilizing staunch opposition to any rule-writing effort. So expect a battle ahead, James. Neil, thank you so much for your coverage of this issue. It's been uh, dramatic, uh, but it's been certainly lively coverage on your part. So thanks again. Speak to you soon. Pleasure, James. Neil Rowland is an MLEX senior reporter who covers financial services from Washington, D.C., He has written several pieces of analysis on the SVB collapse over the past week and will post a link to at least one of those at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. And of course, subscribers will have access to our full portfolio of SVB coverage. There's a lot in it from around the world, including the analysis from our financial services reporters in London. This is significant for our UK team because the local unit of SVP was placed into resolution, as the terminology has it, by the Bank of England in what was seen as a significant test of the central bank's resolution powers. It's the first time that these powers have in fact been put to the test. And to discuss the UK developments, we're joined by Fiona Maxwell and Phoebe Sears, and they're speaking here with Laurel Henning. So Fiona, SVB seems like a US story, but how did this spill over into Europe? Hi, Laurel. Thanks. Yeah, I I do agree this is primarily a US tale, um, but there has been a kind of flurry of activity in Europe, particularly in the UK over the last week, which makes it a really important story here as well. So after the US authorities shut the US Um, side of the bank down. The Bank of England um, in the UK originally applied to put Silicon Valley Bank's UK arm into insolvency. Um, So that would have protected depositors, uh, which were mostly UK tech startup firms, um, up to a limit of only £85,000. So that was last Friday. Um, This has all moved very quickly, but um, that was March the 10th. Uh, But by Monday morning, there was an announcement from the Bank of England that it it had used its resolution powers to essentially broker a deal for HSBC to purchase um, SVB for the nominal price of £1. Um, It's really the first time, the first major time anyway, that the Bank of England has used its post-crisis resolution powers, and it's clearly been a success. Um, As of Monday, banking services resumed as normal. 
customers shouldn't have noticed any changes and, and deposits are saved with no cost to the taxpayer. And that was really the whole point of introducing a bank resolution regime to prevent taxpayer funds being used um, and really to allow banks to fail in a safe manner. So I'd, I'd say this is definitely a win for UK regulators and the government. Um, just quickly on the on the kind of wider Europe side, it's been relatively quiet and policymakers there have essentially said nothing to see here. So really this is happening in the US and in the UK. Okay, let's bring in Phoebe here. Uh, Phoebe, the Bank of England originally planned to place the bank into insolvency, but that changed quite quickly in those first few days, as Fiona described, following SVB's collapse. But why exactly did that happen? Hi, Laurel. So um, we don't know the exact figure, but Silicon Valley had more than 3000 customers in the UK. And largely, as Fiona said, these were kind of tech companies, startups, uh, crypto firms. And for many of them, it was their only bank or the only bank where they held significant deposits. So for those businesses, um, they were staring down the barrel of a situation where if the Bank of England's plan to put uh, Silicon Valley Bank into insolvency went ahead, they would have had no access to their deposits to pay suppliers and meet payroll obligations and other obligations for weeks or even months. And for many of those businesses, that would understandably have been catastrophic. The tech industry is also a powerful lobby for itself. Um, It's a sector that the government has said is strategically important as well. So leveraging that, they put a lot of pressure on the government to reach a solution quickly. Uh, For example, a large group of prominent CEOs wrote to the UK's finance minister basically saying, you're going to lose a very large chunk of this sector if you don't act quickly to save the bank. And it seems that the government listened. OK, so their, their lobbying was successful, as you say. What's the tech industry's response been to how this has all played out? There's obviously a huge sense of relief. Uh, for many businesses, last weekend would have counted some of their darkest hours. Uh, yet there's a real sense that this concentration of an entire sector in one bank could have been avoided. So tech companies and startups have had a really tough time at the hands of traditional high street banks in the UK. It's not easy for them to open a bank account um, with many of the banks that we're familiar with, uh, let alone get approval for a loan when their business is far from profitable. Um, Many banks, including HSBC, have been particularly wary of crypto, going as far as banning their customers from transacting with certain crypto firms. So that environment drove tech and crypto companies to Silicon Valley Bank. It was one of the few banks, we're told, that really understood their business models. Uh, The bank's collapse has shown what an inherently dangerous situation that was. So now the industry is calling on the government to work with banks and with regulators to make banking more accessible for them. Just just on that, on HSBC's particular sort of hesitancy around things like crypto, is it of particular interest then that it was them that bought SVB for this nominal amount? Um, I think it's it's hard to say. It looks like, at least for HSBC, the kind of prevailing view might be changing. And it'll be interesting to see if any of the other major lenders kind of follow that kind of course of action. And coming back to you, Fiona, has there been any regulatory response to this? We heard from Neil earlier that it's not clear exactly why in the US red flags hadn't been spotted earlier. So for the UK, were regulators adequately prepared? So... There's been quite a bit of response to this, um, as you can imagine. And one of the immediate kind of points of feedback has been that this instance shows that now is not the time for deregulation, um, which is happening a little bit after Brexit. Um, And that was kind of the immediate message from at least a group of UK lawmakers. Um, And it's really a particularly interesting time in the UK anyway, because the 
Um, there's a, a big bill going through Parliament at the moment on how financial services is uh, financial services regulation is is made, kind of following Brexit. But on the question of whether UK regulators were adequately prepared for this. I think the incident was undeniably a success. Um, you know, no, no taxpayer funds were used. Um, a bank failed safely. That's the point of resolution. But there is a question as to, you know, were, were the comms successful? So the, the Treasury Committee, which is um, the kind of main committee scrutinising financial services um, matters in the UK Parliament, um, has already written to a government minister and to the Bank of England governor, Andrew Bailey, asking for answers to basically a few dozen questions, including what, what can we learn from this event and whether more targeted prudential regulation is needed for banks that lend to concentrated sectors, such as the, the technology sector. The committee also said that a few questions remain around the effectiveness of UK bank regulation and the procedure around resolution. Now, they didn't go into any more detail, but you can only imagine that perhaps there's a feeling in government that maybe the Bank of England shouldn't have said on Friday that insolvency was being pursued, um, which led to this, as Phoebe explained, this kind of flurry of lobbying over the weekend and ultimately led to uh, resolution. So I do think once the dust has settled, perhaps the focus will be on making sure bank resolution rules are you know, really tight. Um, processes are as tight as they could be. Um, so when something like this happens again, everyone is on the same page. Fiona and Phoebe, this is a fast moving story with so much for us to discuss in the future, I'm sure. But for now, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Phoebe Sears is a London correspondent covering financial services and financial crime. Fiona Maxwell is MLEX's chief correspondent, also based in London. She covers financial services. And they were speaking to our Sydney-based senior correspondent, Laurel Henning. And we'll post a link to Fiona and Phoebe's analysis of the UK dimensions of the SVB collapse at the usual place, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab for the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. And when you land on the MLEX homepage, you'll also see a banner linking you to our most recent special report on future mobility. It has a very catchy title, Data Drivers, and it's yours to download if smart cars tick your boxes. I'm afraid, however, that that is where we'll need to leave the podcast for today. We'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. The podcast was produced and presented by me, James Panicki. Our London-based marketing team is the uncompromising outfit that actually gets this podcast published. And our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.